welcome to today's episode. We're going to be talking about healthy food that blocks thyroid function. Yep, I said it. Healthy food can block thyroid function. Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast, where we choose to become empowered patients and take our health into our own hands. Hi, I'm Shannon Hansen, a Christian entrepreneur, a mom of three, and after dealing with my own health mysteries, I made it my mission to learn everything I could about the thyroid. I soon became certified as a holistic wellness practitioner, a functional nutrition practitioner, and a functional diagnostic practitioner, and so much more. After that, I founded the revolutionary thyroid program, The Hansen Method. As a health professional and a mom, I fully understand the importance of having a fun, simple, and sustainable plan for achieving a responsive thyroid. So I share actionable and practical strategies for developing a responsive thyroid so that the ambitious moms and women can gain freedom from fatigue and lose the thyroid weight once and for all. Each week, I will be here for you. Along with my guest experts, we will be sharing simple and tangible tips that work for not only your thyroid, your hormones, your family, and your mindset so that you can get back to living the life that you envision for yourself. Welcome to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. It is your host, Shannon Hansen, and today we are talking about healthy food that is blocking thyroid function because you know what? It happens. How many of you out there, and I, like, I get about 50-50. So some of the women that I work with, when we talk about it, we jump on a call, we're getting to know each other, we're seeing if it's a good fit to work together. About 50% of them say, I already eat clean, I already eat healthy, I take supplements, I exercise, I take my medication, I do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they're like, I still have no clue why I feel like garbage, why I'm tired, why I'm fatigued, why... The brain fog is there. Why my hair is still falling out. Why I'm still experiencing gas, bloating, constipation. You know, all of these symptoms. Because I'm doing everything that I know how to do. And then it gets to be my job to explain to them, like, hey, you could be doing all the things. But, and this is, this was me, you guys. Like, I, I... I know I've shared this with you guys. I graduated in 2015 as a holistic wellness practitioner right before I had baby number three in 2016. And I, my like major was in nutrition and in urban farming. I was growing my own food. At that point, we weren't raising our own like meat and chickens and, and, uh, beef and things like that. But since then we, we have, um, started to control our food a little bit more because obviously when I went through the program and learned about nutrition and farming and stuff, we learned about all of the bad, scary, horrible, terrible things that happen (laughs) in conventional farming and in conventional, like the growing of animals and how they're treated and things like that. And that's just like, I love meat. So I will probably never be vegetarian long term, but it's also really important for me to treat individual animals and people, humans, um, animals, I, <laughs> living things. That's the word that I'm looking for. Living things appropriately, 
living things with love and care and respect. That was something that I learned growing up. My dad was a hunter. And I remember, like, so my dad was taught how to hunt by Native Americans. And my dad never went for sport. He never got, like, the biggest deer or the biggest bear or whatever. He believed that whatever, I'm going to get emotional, whatever animal put themselves in front of my dad to give them the opportunity was that animal, huh, <laughs> was sacrificing itself for my dad and for the use of, like, us eating it and consuming it and and things like that. And so the way that, like, I view living animals is they are sacrificing their life for us. And it is our job as humans to treat them with love and care and compassion and and love them and nurture them and knowing, like, what their purpose is. Okay, obviously there's, like, <laughs> some emotion there because um, I'm totally tearing up. <clears throat> and anyways, so <laughs> I, all of that to say, like, when I graduated from school, it was really important to me to eat healthy, to eat clean foods. Um, I don't believe in, like, you can never eat pizza again. You can never eat said thing again. I believe in balance. I believe in finding what that balance is for you and your body. And it's, like I've talked about on here before, You, we're all genetically and metabolically different. So to give blanket statements as to you should eat such and such way is not my belief and my philosophy because I know that I react more to dairy products than I do to gluten, typically speaking, right? Um, and I do have like a certain threshold of eating gluten. It's not part of my everyday diet, but I do consume it occasionally and I take digestive enzymes when I'm eating, I take specific digestive enzymes, let me say that, that help with the breakdown and absorption of dairy and gluten. And part of the reason for this, you guys, is I have family members who struggle with eating disorders. And, and having four daughters myself, I don't want my kids to ever develop a fear of food. Okay? It is vitally important for me to teach my children to have a good, healthy, loving relationship with food because food nourishes us. And that's the same thing. Like, I believe that with my clients. I believe, like, I will give you every tool necessary. And I am 100% honest with everybody that gets on a call, everybody that listens to the podcast. I tell all of you guys, I'm going to ask you to go gluten-free and dairy-free for probably 60 to 90 days. Okay. And during that time, you're going to, your body's going to like be able to hit the reset button. It's going to restore it. We're going to give it all of the tools and the mechanisms that it needs because gluten and dairy, we know. So gluten mimics thyroid hormones. Okay. That is part of the reason why we avoid gluten 
And dairy, because of conventional dairy and the way that it, animals are raised and processed and the hormone, excuse me, the hormones and the feed and everything that they get, it messes with our hormones as women. <clears throat> excuse me. And so that is the reason why I have people go gluten-free and dairy-free for a short period of time is because I want to be making sure that you are getting the maximum amount of nutrition and we remove those blockers to make sure that everything else is working optimally. Now, long-term, my goal is to be able to get your body to a place where you can tolerate small amounts of gluten or you can tolerate small amounts of dairy or, or maybe lots of it. <laughs> like if you can go back to eating it all the time or whatever, like great. Like that's so wonderful. And I want to share a quick story. We have um, a family member who has a, and this is kind of what is one of those things that has shaped my beliefs on, on food. Okay. So we know that peanut allergies are super, super prevalent. And we have a family member who has literally a life threatening peanut allergy. If she is exposed to it, if she smells it, like it's anaphylactic shock, like she's like EpiPen has to go to the hospital, like dying, right? Pretty severe. And they took her to treatment and months and months in treatment, drove hours and hours and hours away from their home, back and forth every week to put her in this, this treatment to get her to be able to tolerate. She's now up to six peanuts, which is a small enough amount where like, it's not as life threatening for her. She can handle cross contamination. So now going out to eat, now going to eat around other people isn't as scary as as it once was for these people. And so I believe that God designed us perfectly and that our bodies have this natural and innate ability to self-heal and to self-regulate. If, okay, big if, if we know what to do and how to do it. And that is one thing that I have strived for years and years and years of like my professional education and growth is to learn what and how, like how the body functions or how it should function and what mechanisms are needed to be put into place to allow the body to function optimally. This is why I don't do targeted nutrition. Okay. And what I mean by that or targeted supplementation. So what I mean by targeted supplementation is <clears throat> you have inflammation. I'm going to give you turmeric, right? Like to me, turmeric, yes, that's a great supplement. It's going to help reduce inflammation, but it's not, un it's not addressing the underlying issue of why the inflammation is there in the first place. And so identifying why is the inflammation there? Why is your body reacting in such a way? is more important to me than to just reduce your inflammation. I want to look at your environment. I want to look at your food, your nutrition, your supplementation, how you're sleeping, how you're eating, how your hormones, how all of these things are playing together so that we can understand and identify 
what is causing that inflammation in the first place, that is root cause medicine. And I think a lot of people mistake that for like, or holistic health or functional medicine or whatever for like natural, right? Like, well, turmeric is natural. Like I'm not taking a steroid for the inflammation. I'm taking turmeric. And this is where I think as practitioners, sometimes we fail people because we just want to get them results. Like we just want to help them feel better, do better, be better. And we don't always look for why is this happening? What things are out of balance inside the body that are causing it? So, um, so that is one type of person. That was way longer. The second type of person are people who get on the call and they're like, I could eat more vegetables. I could probably clean up my diet. You know, I could probably, you know, cut some carbs a little bit because breakfast. So I'll give you an example. I was on a call um, yesterday with a lady and she told me, you know, breakfast was sourdough bread with a coffee and then lunch and dinner were basically carb based. And she's like, I know I need to add more veggies, but blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, do you feel like you are eating and consuming these carbs to deal with the fatigue? And she was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like a hundred percent. And I was like, okay, so that person, it's not that she doesn't like veggies. It's not that she's a picky eater. It's not, you know, all of these things. It's that she's really trying to compensate for the lack of energy and she's doing that through carbohydrates okay I've been there um so I fall into that category the first category of well at least when I first started (laughs) when I first started I was a super clean eater like I said I had a large garden we raised a lot of our own food I made my own salsa um I make my own ketchup I make my own um, uh, what is that called? Barbecue sauce. Like I, I really make a lot from scratch. Now I don't require my clients to do that. I don't like, if they are not into that, then totally fine. Like there's, there's always ways around that. I personally enjoy cooking. I enjoy preparing food for my family. I enjoy my kids, my husband being like, wow, this is way better than us going out to eat. Um, it also has its negatives when I'm like, I want a night off of cooking. They're like, but your food is so much better. I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, (laughs) um, you know, so it is what it is, but overall that was a category that I fell into and, and I was supplementing with whole food supplements. I was doing all my greens. I was eating all the healthy things and I was still having major constipation. I was still having migraines very frequently to where I would have to call my husband or my mother-in-law or someone to come help take care of my kids. Um, I was having a lot of joint pain and inflammation. I was having um, those fibromyalgia symptoms where I was just in so much pain and I couldn't even really isolate the pain. It was like this deep bone muscle pain that just would, I'd be standing there in the kitchen doing dishes and it would just come on and I would just be crying because I was in so much pain and I didn't understand why this was happening to me. 
And so what I have learned over the last six years is that some of the things that I was doing in regards to food and nutrition was not working properly. So healthy foods that are blocking thyroid function. Now I'm not talking about goitrogens. Um, I know people out there will like, don't eat cruciferous vegetables. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we, as a thyroid community, it's not about cutting food. Okay. I hope you've gotten that so far. It's about learning how to structure our plate and structure our meals for optimal digestion. Because when you have thyroid, when you're under stress, acute stress, chronic stress, your stomach acid no longer prioritizes breaking down and assimilating food. All right. Oh, that like feels like it feels so heavy to say that. So it is so important. And I'm okay. Full transparency. I'm guilty of it today. I was working while I was eating. I should not be doing that. (laughs) Um, you know, it's really important that when we eat, that we're sitting, we're chewing our food, we're digesting our food, even though I was working at the computer, I was really trying to make conscious efforts to chew my food and to, to break it down. That's one of the things that happens when we're eating on the go, when we're eating in front of the TV, when we're, you know, under a lot of stress or, you know, trying to like shovel food in our mouth is we're like, take a bite, chew, 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 swallow, take a bite, chew, 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 swallow. And we're not turning our food into that like mush. And that's where we start to, so in your mouth, your saliva actually begins to break down things like carbohydrates and other nutrients for the body. And so your digestion really starts actually in your brain when you're smelling, when you're thinking about food. And then the actual chemical and mechanical breakdown happen inside of our mouth first. So it is really, really important that from the beginning, we're chewing, we're breaking it down, we're assimilating our food, and then we're swallowing and we're doing so in a restful state so that our stomach acid can break down the food and help us to optimize digestion. Okay, cool. So next... Um, the other important part of this is then learning how to combine or to build our plate and everybody is genetically and metabolically different. And so we have to learn, you have to learn what is right for your body. I know that I am a, what is considered a fast oxidizer. And so I need higher amounts of protein. I need higher amounts of fats and I need lower amounts of carbohydrates. So I still eat carbs. I still have rice. I still have oats. I still, you know, do things all the time (laughs) that are carb based. But when I'm building my plate, the way that I'm looking at it is making sure that I have enough things in each category that are going to keep me full and satiated for a long period of time. Because if not, then I am grabbing for sweets. I'm grabbing for carbs. I'm grabbing for fast, easy, convenient foods. Um, 
some of my clients, they are not fast oxidizers or actually slow oxidizers. And so the way that they build their plate is different than the way that I build mine. So this is why, like, I think some people start to lean towards macro counting is because they think, oh, if I know gram per gram, you know, how many carbs and how many fats. The the issue that I've seen with that is that people get comfortable eating within that because they're, they're getting results, right? Like, let's just say a 40-30-30 plan. So 40% protein, 30% carbs, 30% fat. That's like a typical weight loss program, okay? People will start doing that and then they just eat the same thing over and over and over again. And those micronutrients, the the vitamins, minerals, omega fatty acids, antioxidants, all of those things, those nutritional needs are not being met. And then we have other health issues that begin to pop in because we're not getting a wide range and a wide variety of food and nutrition inside of our body. So um, I'm going to wrap this bad boy up here. Uh, (laughs) And I want to give you guys some actionable tips. And for my coffee drinkers out there, this is a huge one that I see with the clients that I work with. You can absolutely have coffee or caffeine if you want to. Okay. But know this. Okay. There's two things you need to know. Number one, caffeine close to thyroid medication, even within an hour, is going to block thyroid hormone. Interesting, right? So most of my women who are struggling with energy wake up in the morning, they go to their coffee, they, well, they take their medication. A lot of them take it um, when they get out of bed in the morning, and then they take a shower, get dressed ready for the day, and then they go grab a pot of coffee, and then they run out the door. So my, my challenge to you or my advice to you would be do your thyroid medication, do all of that morning routine and ritual, but instead of grabbing for a cup of coffee, grab for a protein breakfast. That's going to give you good, sustainable energy. One of the places that I recommend people start is with a protein shake in the morning. It's quick, it's easy, you're drinking it, you can grab it, you can go, right? Like you're not having to cook and prepare all of the things in the morning. You're just able to have that protein drink and go. Then around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, if you still want your coffee, have your coffee, okay? Um, But give that thyroid medication or thyroid hormone first thing in the morning, the ability to set in and to kick in and your metabolism to also set in and kick in with a protein-based breakfast and then use your your coffee, okay? Um, So that's going to be advice number one. Number two, to improve digestion, one of the things that I see happening a lot is women will eat fruit with protein. So I'm trying to think of an example. Um, the only one that I'm coming up with is like chicken and pineapple salsa, right? Like, ooh, super yummy, super tasty. Like it's got like a grilled chicken and, you know, rice and whatever. Super great. However, 
when you have thyroid, eating something like that is not supporting digestion optimally in the beginning. Okay, so what we need to do, and and I actually see this a lot for breakfast. Um, Let's just go back to the protein smoothies really quickly. So when you're having protein, the smoothie is going to be a little bit different. Um, If you add in fruit and things like that, my recommendation would be that it is a a veg, uh, like a vegan option or a plant-based protein. Um, That's going to help with digestion as well. Um, okay. So going back to the chicken and, um, or actually, so the chicken and pineapple, that's going to be one example. I see a lot of women doing this for snack. They'll have like, um, I don't know, turkey slices and an apple or, um, you know, uh, whatever it is. What we want to be doing is if you're going to eat fruit, and I do recommend that you eat fruit, I typically tell people to eat fruit for for snacks, then pair it with a healthy fat and then eat your protein for your meals and so on and so forth. So hopefully this was super helpful and you guys gained value. If you did, head over to Instagram, take a screenshot of this. And send it to me. Let me know that you are listening. And I'll see you on the next. Wait before you go. Please subscribe. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a review and share on Instagram. And please tag us. We love your reviews. Pretty please.